welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from the hip-hop dancing engineer to multifamily real estate investor. This is where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. But before I introduce today's guests, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. 2020 was one heck of a year that saw many businesses double down on virtual content creation. If you already have a platform, podcast, YouTube channel, you're ready to create more content that breaks through the noise, please check out Nightly Productions and you can find out how you can stop wasting time and money on content that doesn't deliver. Now, introducing today's guest, you know, actually, this is the first time I've actually had two people coming on to the show. So it's a, it is a pleasure. We've got Blue Oak Capital in the house. They focus on helping connect and connecting with professionals that are too busy to invest in real estate themselves to show them the power of commercial multifamily real estate. Cody Laughlin is a real estate entrepreneur, podcaster, and meetup host with 10 years of real estate investing experience with a special focus on value-add multifamily assets. Cody is the founder of the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast and the Space City Multifamily Meetup. Brian Alfaro is a real estate entrepreneur and local Houston business owner. Starting in food service operations, Brian quickly expanded his span of control in a customer-focused franchise business. Now leveraging his expertise, Brian now controls a multi-location business that serves thousands, offering an upscale coffee experience. Coming all the way from Texas, please give a warm welcome to Blue Oak Capital's finest, Cody and Brian. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us, man. Really appreciate it. And Brian, we've been getting this feedback all the time. We're the first like duo on a show. Like, either we're doing something <laughs> yeah. wrong or we're setting a setting a new bar. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I, know, I think it's setting the new bar. I mean, this, this is definitely a first and, you know, two is better than one, in my opinion. Twice the energy and twice the knowledge coming in. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Um, so first off, I'd, uh, you know, aside from what I mentioned in the intro, what else would you like the, the world to know ab- about y'all? Just to start out, just like introduction, you know, starting out, please tell me a little bit more about yourselves and how you guys got here or how you guys got into real estate in, in general. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and start real quick. I'll make it brief. But, you know, I, I had a very similar upbringing as most of your listeners probably had working class parents who really put a very inf- big emphasis on education. And, mm-hmm. you know, from the time that I was very young, it was always ingrained to go to school, make good grades, go to college, graduate, get a good job. And I followed that path, started a W-2 career in 2008, which led me here to Houston, Texas. And in 2010, my wife and I, who we purchased our home, in, our first starter home in 2008, we wanted to move to a different part of Houston bought a new house, couldn't sell the first house. It was in the middle of the housing crisis still and became an accidental landlord. 
And I, I joke with people, I tell people around that time, I got introduced to the the purple Bible, the rich dad, poor dad. And, you know, from there, a light bulb went off. So as, as opposed to going down the career ladder and chasing a uh, a path down the corporate ladder in healthcare, I switched in and wanted to pursue real estate entrepreneurship. And unfortunately, along the way, kind of got took some detours and, you know, got distracted with a couple other opportunities that took me further away from real estate. And you know, ultimately found myself getting recommitted back to real estate as my exclusive investing focus several years ago. Started in single family, realized that, you know, this is just not a scalable model. It just wasn't something that I saw myself doing. It, it To me, it became a second job more so than, you know, a, an investment vehicle. And so I, I needed to make a transition. And, you know, that's where I made the transition to multifamily 2019. Met our first partner, John, and then we met Brian uh, along the way last year. And yeah, man, here we are making big things happen. So cool. Awesome. Right. I'll go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I started thinking about real estate, I would say 2018, give or take. I was on a trip by myself, just kind of doing some brainstorming and uh, found that it was one of those investment vehicles that a lot of people were having a lot of success in. Either they were building their wealth through real estate or they were keeping their wealth through real estate through, you know, the tremendous tax benefits you can get, whether you're an active investor or a passive investor. So decided to put my foot on the gas, started reading every book I could find. My wife and I had just bought our first single family uh, personal residence. So that helped as well, just going through that transaction and, uh, you know, found big places like bigger pockets and, you know, all the Facebook groups and the meetup groups that you can kind of find. But at the time I had a very small limited mindset that, you know, I, I didn't have any experience in real estate. My parents are actually lifelong renters, very blue collar, just like Cody said, you know, go to school, get a good job, kind of climb the ladder. And uh, so I didn't have any real estate experience at all, but found that, you know, I had a very limited mindset. I was thinking like, you know, there's no way that Brian can buy these multi-million dollar properties. How's that going to work? Right. You know, so I, I started small and I started on the single family side a lot, like a lot of us do, just like Cody. I didn't become an accidental landlord. I was an intentional landlord, <laughs> but very quickly, uh, very quickly discovered after doing my first deal that it wasn't a, a personality alignment for me. Not that I think it's a bad investment vehicle. I know a lot of people that are very successful at it, but for me personally, it didn't align with my growth goals and where I wanted to get, you know, five years from now, where I wanted to get 10 years from now. And I also didn't see it as a type of business model where I could work with a, a set of partners or a group of people and, and really have a pie that's big enough to share with everybody. Uh, you know, it's really hard to split a couple hundred bucks in profit a month on a single family rental. So decided to start thinking bigger late 2019, early 2020, right around the time COVID hit, to be honest, which is sort of a blessing in disguise for me because it put the, it put the brakes on everything. It, you know, my, my coffee shop, you know, had to close for a little bit. So it gave me some time to think. And I started reaching out to other people in the multifamily space and talking to them about how their journey got started and, and ended up connecting with uh, John Beatty, who's our third partner at another boot camp. Uh, was at the same time, uh, coincidentally looking at a multifamily mentorship group that these two got, you know, guys were already in. Ended up joining that and kept the conversation going that, you know, we all felt like we had the same short-term and long-term goals as far as, you know, our syndication model and adding value to people who are interested in real estate, but maybe don't have the time or the resources to, uh, you know, go out there and do their own deals on their own. And, uh, you know, we partnered up and I joined, joined Blue Oak Capital and here we are looking at, uh, looking at some much bigger things I was looking at a year and some change ago. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a great journey so far. Yeah. And, you know, I want to emphasize on that journey too, because I actually did some Instagram stalking. I didn't, unfortunately, Brian, I didn't stock too much of your Instagram. I actually couldn't find it, but I actually don't have one. 
Ah, okay. That's probably why then. <laughs> but, you know, there's, uh, I remember seeing this, I, I scrolled back on, on yours, Cody, and you actually posted this video where you're like, you know what, I'm going to be more active on the social media space. And this is something that I'm, and I'm passionate about multifamily. And you were sort of just putting that out there. And so, you know, going from single family to multifamily, I was wondering if you could, if y'all could elaborate on just that transition you know, what that experience was like going from single family to multifamily and in in investing in this space? Well, I think the first thing was the the mindset shift and the culture shift. You know, in single family, I feel like it's very transactional and it's very much a solo type game. You don't hear a lot of people that are like joining forces, tag teaming and, and building a single family real estate empire. I'm sure they're out there, but, you know, it's just not as prevalent, I feel like. Whereas in multifamily, it's very much an abundance mindset, you know, and if you talk to, you know, anybody and everybody at any networking event, you're going to hear the same theme, the same message. Look, there's there's plenty of opportunity out there for all of us to participate in. You know, these are much larger transactions. So you're going to have to naturally partner with other people to take down these transactions. So why don't we just band together, share our resources and share what's working well for one another and and partner up and, and go take some, you know, take on these opportunities. And so I think that was the biggest transition, which for me was a very, very pleasant surprise because I'm I'm naturally a extrovert. I enjoy networking with people. I enjoy working with people. And, you know, I just found that to be such a great fit. And, you know, in the single family space, I was, I was doing everything on my own and, you know, very cumbersome. And I think when people, when you get into this journey, you have to realize that you're limited by your own time and your own strengths, right? And you, you, there's so many different hats to wear as a real estate entrepreneur that you're cutting yourself short if you're not relying on a team around you. So I would say that was the biggest transition. And, you know, I absolutely just love the mindset and the culture that's in the multifamily environment. I would definitely, definitely echo that. It's super cheesy to, you know, spend 20 minutes talking <laughs> about mindset. But, uh, you know, Cody and I had a a, a dinner, a, a networking dinner this past week. And even after that, I was thinking like, man, I'm still thinking too small. You know, we met an entrepreneur um, <laughs> who is trying to get to a billion dollars in assets in like 18 to 24 months. You know, so it's interesting to, to talk about mindset, but the reality is, is you're only going to do what you set your mind to, right? So if you're thinking about doing single family houses, that's all you're going to be able to do. If you're thinking about only buying duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's all you're going to be able to do. But if you're thinking big, you know, I have a saying that I always say, at least in my, my, my hospitality restaurant experience, I always tell people, aim high because even when you miss, you're still going to be way above average, right? So if you're aiming for a billion dollars in assets, when you get to 750 million, that's still a pretty good day, right? So, um, I think that the, you know, to, to, to just emphasize that, you know, don't, don't limit yourself for that mindset. That was definitely the biggest shift for me. And then what Cody said too, I was genuinely shocked the first few weeks that I was starting to network with people in the multifamily space. You know, you kind of get that question. You hear it every day. Like, how can I add value to you? How can I add value to you? And people are genuinely interested in helping each other be successful because the pie is big enough for everybody to share. And, and, and it's, it's a very abundance mindset. So I would say those are, you know, exactly what Cody said. That's that, those are the things that definitely uh, were shocked to me when I got into the space. Mm, okay. And now, you know, fast, fast forward now in, into how, 
y'all met like did y'all when y'all first met then uh and you know we can we can just talk about brian and cody in this one and then bring <laughs> and and uh, some you know bring bring in john Beatty later on but when y'all met did you was it just an instant click like wow we know we're partners like right then and there but what 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 made y'all decide to to start working together well we we all have beards so we knew it was gonna work <laughs> <laughs> that's uh you know we got together and we're like oh we all have facial hair so uh this is a done deal oh shoot. Um, I, I, I gotta mean, i gotta work on that then i've been yeah yeah uh, 10 you years gotta behind. step it up taylor you gotta step it up yeah <laughs> no i mean i think for me being the the, the, the last guy kind of into the group i think when i met john i met john at a, a neil bawa boot camp before i you know joined our mentorship group and when i was really getting started going through that mindset shift and really educating myself in multifamily. And it was just a natural click. And if you've met John, John's a pretty social butterfly. He likes to chat. He's easy to talk to. You know, he's mm-hmm. a very smart guy. So we connected really well. And then it just so happened to be that, you know, we're, we're both in Houston. And I was, like I said, I was looking at that same mentorship group he was in. And there was an alignment of interest there. And then when I'm, you know, I was, before I remember before I met Cody, I was like, man, John's a pretty cool guy. I hope Cody, I hope Cody's pretty cool too. Um, <laughs> and then I met Cody and uh, I was not disappointed. So I'll just put that out there. So. Um, yeah, right. There we go. So, you know, Cody and John, for, forget the business stuff, forget how many units they have or what they've done in the past. I think you, you always want to work with people you like working for, you like working with, right? So if I don't want to wake up every day and, you know, talk to Cody or work with Cody or talk to John and work with John, and it's never going to work, right? So we had to have that alignment of interest from a personality standpoint that we like each other. We feel like we're in the same boat. We're going in the same direction. We have the same goals. And then everything else you can kind of figure out, right? You can figure out jobs and responsibilities. You can figure out when you're doing deals, who gets what equity wise. But if we're all heading in the same direction, we have an alignment of interest and we like working with each other. It, the rest of the big problems kind of, in my opinion, they kind of solve themselves. So, yeah. And kind of sitting on the opposite side of the table there, you know, as, as Brian mentioned, you know, John and I had been working together for, I don't know, Brian, it was probably give or take six or eight months, probably before we, we connected with you and, you know, we would, we had already started this infrastructure, right? We had already had a lot of moving parts and we were, we were carrying the burden, those multiple hats that we were talking about earlier. And we were finding ourselves working on putting a, a lot of emphasis on, okay, this particular avenue of the business, this particular leg of the business, we have to really imp- put a focus on. But then what happens is the other part of the business gets disregarded. And so then you switch your focus, say, okay, let's go catch this up. But then the other part gets disregarded, right? So, you know, there's, again, multiple moving parts that constantly have to be attended to on a day-to-day basis. And so, as Brian mentioned, you know, when when John called me up and said, hey, I want to meet you, I want to introduce you to to Brian Alfaro. He's here in Houston. He's joining Jake and Gino. You know, I think he'd be a good guy to network with. Let's, let's go meet with him. So we, we went and met with him and, and we kind of laid out our framework, you know, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is what we have. Here's where we feel like we're doing really good at. And here's where we feel like we need a lot of help with. And, you know, what do you think? And so what was interesting is, you know, Brian went home. I think we, it was within 24 hours. We got back on a call right after that. And he was like, Hey, listen, Here's where I think you guys are doing great. Here's where I think some areas of improvement. Here's where I think I could be of value to you guys. And it was a perfect fit, you know. And, and as Brian said, number one, the communication and synergy there, I think, was there from the beginning. Number two, I think it's important when you're vetting partnerships or excuse me, when you're identifying partnerships, you need to vet those partners. And for us, the vetting process for Brian was more so this. This is a gentleman that had a a dual location coffee shop 
one of which he opened during COVID, which is, <laughs> you know, just tremendous. But don't but remind have, me. <laughs> <laughs> but but to have that operational experience was key. He already had that business mindset. He already had that business operational understanding, uh, which was great. And then he also had the presence of brand awareness, marketing, you know, customer relations, investor relations coming from that retail hospitality or not hospitality, but uh, food and, and beverage industry. And so, and that's, again, it was just a perfect fit for what we need in our business. So, you know, to answer your question, yes, it was an absolute perfect fit from the beginning. Not every partnership you're going to come across is that perfect. You know, definitely take your time and bet your partners, but we're very, very fortunate to have met Brian and uh, so glad he's here. And look, I mean, every single time that we have added another layer to our business, things just continue to grow and expand and grow and expand. And so it goes back to the power of just being a team in this space. You know, now transitioning. Yeah, thank you for sharing just that story. Now transitioning into, you know, the focus, Brian, uh, this is, I guess, a little bit more catered to you and Cody, you can, you can tap in as well. But I noticed that on your website, the communities that in, in the slogan that y'all have is people first communities, right? Now, did you see like a switch and did you tap into your hospitality experience and when trying to go and, and help improve these communities or, or yeah, what was, what was that like? Or, or did you see like a shift or a change in your previous experience when trying to improve these communities that you guys are, that you guys are purchasing? Well, I think the first thing, one of my first goals was, you know, Cody mentioned it a minute ago, talking about brand, you know, top of mind awareness for your brand is super important, but there, you either want to be air, you want to be B, right? You either want to be Coke or you want to be Pepsi. Everybody else kind of after that, good luck, right? So there's some <laughs> great, there's some great books you can read about marketing and mindset. When most people are thinking about a particular product, they usually have an A in their B in their head. Sometimes there's a C, D, E, but people get overwhelmed by choices, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about uh, passive investing or syndications or real estate in general, right? There's a, there are a ton of high quality operators out there doing amazing things, doing a great job. And how are they doing that? A lot of it, how are they raising capital in 48 hours? How are they funding these deals? And, you know, they're raising five, $6 million in a matter of a couple of days. A lot of it has to do with top of mind awareness and people knowing that these guys are transacting and that they're high quality. They're great at communicating. And I'm always seeing their brand, right? I'm on LinkedIn. There they are. I'm on Facebook. There they are. You know, I visit ESPN and their logos like following me on the ads, right? Um, so we, the, the strategy was, you know, how do we build that brand awareness? And then how do we build that brand relationship as well? You know, Cody, John and I, we're all very similar in that we don't have transactional personalities. It's not like, hey, I've got this deal. Do you want to invest? Yes or no? Let's go. We want to know more about you. What are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? Does this even make sense for you? If it does, great. If it doesn't, let's talk more about maybe we can point you in the right direction. So I think it was more about putting a focus on, and that does tie into, I would say, my hospitality, my restaurant beverage background, that customer service element of things. Because we've all heard stories from passive investors where maybe they made a little bit of money, but maybe they were disappointed in the communication aspect when it came to investing with a particular operator or sponsor. So I think it was sort of about laying that foundation. You know, how can we get the brand out there more on all of our social media platforms and all of our email campaigns and our blogs and our newsletters kind of, you know, taking that to the next level. And then ultimately when we, when we're getting in these transactions, how do we, go above and beyond and exceed expectations from an investor standpoint to where, you know, when they're investing with us, they go, man, these guys are awesome. You know, I'm, I'm up to date. I know what's going on in the property. They're giving me updates when things are going well. If things aren't going well. 
I feel like they're being very transparent. They're not, you know, there's not a lot of smoke and mirrors there and just building that trust in that relationship. So I would say that's the model that, you know, I've always had in, in my business. Like when we make a mistake in the coffee shop or any restaurant I've worked at, it's like, look, you just own up to it. Like we made a mistake, bad call of judgment. How can we make it right? Let's do the best we can to make you happy and get you out the door. If it's a cup of coffee, right? And then these transactions, the same thing, it's just being transparent with people, letting them know where we're going, what we buy, our alignment of interests. And just kind of going from there. So I think that's been my strategy and it's very in alignment. Just coincidentally, again, I hate to call it luck, but Cody and John have that, that same mindset when it comes to, you know, taking care of your investors and then taking care of your communities as well. Yeah. I would piggyback off that, Brian, and say, you know, when you look at that prince, our principles that people first communities, investor first performance, right? The, the concept behind that and the belief behind that is you have to put people before yourself. And, and that's what this industry is about. It cannot be about just you, 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 you know, you can't just go into a property and think that, okay, I'm a hike rents $200 and I'm going to collect a check and I'm, I'm going to be great. You know, for us, it, it's the philosophy of how do we go in and how do we improve the communities? Okay. Yes, we want, we're, we're small business owners. We want to operate an efficient business, but at the same time, we want to impact the lives of the residents that live in our communities in a positive way. We want to give them a, a living dwelling that they're proud to be a part of. And there's a sense of community, right? And then from the investor side, you know, number one, when you're partnering with investors, you have a absolute responsibility in protecting those, the investor capital, right? And so their interests should always be put first. How do I preserve their wealth and those, that capital, but also how do I give them, you know, a return that they're going to be happy with in hopes of continuing to work with us and partner with us, right? So it can't always be about you and your goal. It has to be about the people around you first. And you're going to find more success that way. So that's how we've kind of built our thesis and our business philosophy. And we believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And, and something that I really uh, respect, acknowledge, and I'm inspired by is just the fact that y'all aren't just building relationships with the investors that are coming into your deal, but even with the communities, with people that are uh, at those communities, right? It's, it's, it's not just transactional. These are actual people living there. And so, you know, I respect the business model, the, the motto that you have and the thesis. Like, I think, I think it's really cool. Now, you know, moving forward then, and let's talk about this current, the most recent, if it, the, is it still open, by the way, the, your, your most recent opportunity? Okay. Yeah. I'd love to talk about the most recent investment opportunity that is currently available right now. And if, if we can just start off with yet just, what what's the what I'm getting stumbled right now? Uh, let's start off with the most recent in, investment opportunity that y'all have. You know what size is it, and, and how'd you guys how'd you guys find this deal? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So this is a 240 unit uh, C class value added deal here in North Houston, and this is going to resonate very well with probably a lot of your listeners who are maybe just entering in the space. Okay, and. If you, if you came into this multifamily space within the past couple of years, you've probably been running your head up against the wall because it was a very bullish market, you know, for the past, I would argue, five years or so, six years. And then COVID hits and everybody goes, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then when everybody took a you know deep breath and said, hey, we're going to make it through this, it got even more competitive. It just I mean, I think it almost just doubled the amount of competition, liquidity in the market. And and so I bring that up because there's probably many listeners here who are trying to figure out how do I get that first opportunity? Well, I think for us, you know, we were in that same boat. We were we were working since 2019, underwriting deals, submitting offers, working with brokers, building on our investor database. I mean, we were we were following the script, right? We were doing everything we were being taught to do. 
but we were having trouble landing that first opportunity. And, you know, in, in the power of networking and relationship building, we had built a relationship with a lead sponsor who is actually the one that found this deal and put the team together, put the deal together. And we had approached this sponsor after, I don't know, networking with him for about 18 months or so. We approached him earlier this year for a larger deal that we were working on that we knew we were going to need some help with. And the deal didn't pan out. But what it did do is it opened up a lot of doors for us for the conversation of, hey, if I do find an opportunity, would you be willing to partner with us? Right. And so Mm -hmm. we connected again with this particular sponsor in late February and said, hey, you know, again, we'd love to carry on that conversation about partnering with you. And he said, well, great. I've got, you know, a couple hundred units under contract right now. What do you think that you can bring to the table? And at the time, you know, our biggest value add for somebody that's so successful like that is equity. We had a database that was warm. We had a database that was ready to find their next good investment opportunity, uh, but just was waiting for a good deal. So we felt we could bring a certain amount of equity to that deal and also participate in boots on the ground asset management because the deals here in Houston, we're all based out of Houston. And, and really, that's kind of how that opportunity came to be. So we're not the lead sponsor on the deal. We're, we're definitely part of the general partnership but in, in a secondary role. But uh, I, my encouragement to everybody listening is, you know, if you're just starting out and you're trying to find a way to get in, go partner with those who are that have track records and that have accessibility to opportunities that you may not be seeing in your markets. Go, go get on the table, get around the table with these guys, network with these guys, build relationships, add value to them and partner with those guys. And you'd be surprised at just what kind of opportunities open up. Yeah. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but this is oh, for this current opportunity right now, this is uh, 506C. So it's only open to accredited uh, investors. Now, uh, if you don't mind me asking, you know, has it been more difficult tapping into your current database because of this whole accredited investor, you know, what is it? Is it called, is it called the certification or <laughs> verification? Yeah. Or verification. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Verification. Yeah. I mean, has it been difficult to raise even though you've been uh, publicly advertising it or what's, what's that been like? You know, th- this has been a really fun experience, I think. And Brian, definitely jump in here, right? But, you know, when we got presented the opportunity to come in, we had just recently wrapped up a soft commit, quote unquote, raise around in our database to kind of judge where we're at, you know, for this year. You know, what's the investor appetite? Who's looking to invest? Who's sitting on the sidelines? And we got a pretty overwhelming response. But, you know, when it came to our credit investor pool, which we actually had more than we thought we did, what was surprising is many of those were looking for more of KP opportunities. They didn't want to come in on the LP side. They really wanted to be KPs, right? And so when the opportunity presented itself and we were told it's going to be a 506 c we kind of took a, a step back and we we're like, oh man, are we, uh, you know, <laughs> can we, can we pull this off, you know? And, and, it, you know, for us, it was kind of one of those things where, listen, we, we were putting ourselves out there. We were telling other people what we're trying to do and other successful operators, what we're trying to do. And in doing that, some opportunities had come up that we had passed on, but eventually we just had it. We, we had to make that internal decision. Like, look, you can't keep asking for opportunities and nitpicking. You eventually got to, you got to get out of your comfort zone and, and you got to go just do it. Right. And so we did. And, and, you know, fortunate to have, you know, again, guys like John and Brian, who we, we were able to collaborate and look at what other people are doing as far as promoting their deals, right? And kind of put that together for our own marketing package and promote the deal. And what we've discovered is, is actually, you know, 
a lot of those funnels work (laughs) and and I'll let, you know, I'll let Brian kind of piggyback off that more, but, you know, I think overall it's been a really great experience. The conversations are a lot different than what I thought they would be. And what I mean by that is when you're dealing with high net worth individuals, the conversation is not about the minimum investment amount. It's more so as how is my capital going to be protected? Like, you know what I mean? How, how am I going to be reassured that I'm going to get that money back versus Oh man, is it 50,000? Can, can I come in at 30? You know, like the conversations were just a lot different. Uh, and they're a lot simpler. I was surprised. And, and, you know, typically when you're dealing with accredited investors, not always, but typically, I mean, these are, these are very sophisticated, intelligent professionals, doctors, lawyers, engineers, you know, and, you know, their level of sophistication in, in investor thinking is just at a different level. And so, uh, you know, there was really great questions, insightful questions. And, uh, you know, they're very, very intuitive and they do their research before they get on the call with you. I guarantee you that, that, you know, they're coming prepared. And so, but I think overall, man, it's been a really, really great experience. We've learned a lot. We've built a lot of great relationships through that. And yeah. So, but Brian, talk to you about the funnel real quick and, and how important that was, because I felt like it just, it worked beautifully for us. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I would, I would say the stuff Cody was saying was, I would definitely echo the same sentiment. It is, it is interesting and it's been a huge learning experience dealing with those accredited investors. But to talk a little bit about the funnel, I mean, you know, raising capital is uh, definitely one of the hardest parts of the business, if not the hardest part of the business. And a lot of people assume that because you're doing a 506C that it's actually easier because they're like, Oh, well, you can advertise. You can get on Facebook. You could be blowing this thing up all over the world. But what we've found and what we've heard from other experts too, you know, if you follow like the Dan Hanford model or some of the other guys, people still want to invest with people that they know, like, and trust. We've all heard that, you know, that KLT, right? So even though you're advertising these deals to you know, very high net worth individuals, they don't know you, right? They don't know your brand. They don't know who Blue Oak is. They don't know who the lead sponsor is. So there's some education there and, you know, what they ultimately end up doing is going through your funnel. And that's what, you know, Cody was talking about. So you have to have all the elements in place to make sure you they have what they need to build that that knowledge of you, of your brand, and to build that trust with you. So all the little things, right? So you've got your social media page. You know, if you're blowing up your deal and you're you're putting it out there on social media, you've got links to things. They're going to end up on your website one way or another. You got to make sure your website is nice, right? It doesn't have to be the fanciest website ever, but it needs to have the information to show like these guys are professional, right? Mm. Then on your website, you know, there's everything from lead magnets to, you know, just helping educate the investor so they can opt in and get into your database. And then it's just constantly nurturing them through your phone, right? So we've got all the things that you would need to keep an investor nurture without actually necessarily picking up the phone and calling them once or twice a week. Newsletters, right? So we've got newsletters going out once a month. Uh, we've got educational blogs to show them that we're looking to add value to their educational knowledge so they can learn more about active or passive real estate investment. Once a week, we're putting out a podcast episode with some sort of uh, industry leader to you know teach them a little bit more about the business. And then we've got our meetups, which we do virtually and online. So if they're not here in Houston, and they're, which a lot of our investors actually aren't in this deal that we're in now, they can still get to know us and and, and they start to build that that relationship with you. And it, it's actually really funny. Cody and I, sometimes you know, we've been with COVID starting to become a little bit more of a thing in the past. We've been seeing more people in person that we've only known on Zoom for the last year. And one of the first things they say when they run into you is like, oh, you guys are so great. I've been following you. I loved your last podcast episode. I read your blog. And, you know, They're really keeping up with you. And then when you finally have that opportunity to present them with a deal, 
they've already been through your funnel from the top to the bottom. The deal is sort of at the very bottom of the funnel. And of course, the goal is to get them to invest in your deal if it's something that aligns with their personal investing thesis. And it's actually worked. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cody, uh, our first uh, person who committed was somebody that had been in our funnel. I don't think either one of us have ever had like a phone call with him. And he went through it. You can kind of follow it. If you go through Active Campaign, he went to our website. He signed up for our newsletter. He downloaded our, our ebook. He was opening our podcast emails. Then we blasted out the deal. He went through our investor portal. He committed. Boom, done. And it was somebody that we never had spoken to. And we could do that because it was a 506 c But it just goes to show you the power of having all those little things set up, you know, and even other time commitments every week to record a podcast or to type up a blog or to do your social media posts. Those things eventually produce fruit when it's time for you to actually go out there and raise capital for a deal you're involved in. So uh, definitely want to make sure that your listeners are thinking about those layers and, you know, there's no perfection. I know Cody, sometimes I know when I, when I join you guys and we've all had this mindset, like sometimes you just do it. It's not about it being perfect. Uh, something's better than nothing, right? So it doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect, but, you know, get out there, start a blog, start a newsletter, start a podcast, start building your funnel out so that when you start to add one layer at a time to it, uh, as you progress through your, your multifamily journey, you're going to find that you have all these resources, which become very valuable to investors when they're reaching out to you about your deal. If you run into a new person who has never passively invested, but maybe they have a high net worth and they want to put 75 or hundred or more thousand dollars in your deal, they're going to have a lot of questions and having those resources available to say, Hey, go listen to podcast episode 42, where we talk to a passive investor who's passively invested in, you know, a few thousand doors. They're going to give you some industry insight and then go, Hey, go ahead and read this blog that we posted a few months ago. It's going to help you understand how to passive invest. And then, Hey, here's an ebook right here to kind of walk you through how this actually works and how it's beneficial to you. Then we can get on a call once you felt like you have that firm education base. And we found that once they do get on the call with us, they have, they have smarter questions. They're not asking you like, Hey, how does this work? They're more asking you more about the deal specifics. How are you going to protect your capital? What's the business plan long term? So it's been great to, uh, to see that stuff sort of eventually start to produce fruit. Cause I know, uh, Cody, John and I have spent a lot of time building that funnel out and investing in the content. So. Yeah, and Taylor, one thing I didn't mention in, in my bio is, you know, I had an opportunity in 2019, shortly after entering into the multifamily space, where I was trying to raise capital for a different partnership. Mm-hmm. Very small raise, $300,000, and converted $0 in that raise. And that when you look back, as, as devastated as I was and as, as embarrassed as I was about that experience, what I learned from that is exactly what Brian just laid out is the importance of having something of value to educate the investor database that you're building, you know, that you're working with. And, you know, when it comes to raising capital, you know, listen, it's relationship driven and it's a numbers game, right? And you, you know, if you're going around your circle of friends and you're like, oh, I've got these 10 investors, they're going to invest with me. Chances of you converting all 10 of those investors are not very likely at all. Ask me how I know that's, that was my experience (laughs) in 2019, you know, but, you know, fast forward after implementing all of these things that, you know, Brian just laid out, that gave us the confidence to go out and take on such a large undertaking like this project we're part of now, because we had those things in place. We had those resources in place. And listen, I get asked this question all the time and, and I'm going to do a little tangent here, but it's relevant. You know, people look at the podcast and say, oh, is it worth it? Everybody has a podcast. And here's the question I want to start asking people is what's the number one purpose of a podcast? What, what would you say, Taylor? Uh, at least for me, it's just to, to learn and have conversations um, with people that have done 
what I'm wanting to do. You know, I, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. I want to learn from y'all, and that's why <laughs> that's why I'm glad that that y'all are here. Yeah, well, that's a good reason. But you know, I think most importantly, your number one reason for doing these different thought leadership platforms is to build relationships. Right. As Brian mentioned, you know, we may have never communicated before, but if you've followed my show, you've heard my voice, you've heard my thought processes, you've heard my thesis. If you go onto our website and you read our blog, you know, you understand our thesis and who we are from business operators. And, uh, you know, you, you watch our newsletters, you see the activity that we're doing and all these different things. They're all intended to add education. Yes, but also build relationships. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like we were mentioned earlier, when people come up to you and they, they, they walk up to you and like shake your hand and like, man, I've been listening to your show forever. I feel like I know you. It's a really cool experience, you know, even though I've never spoken two words to them before. So, you know, I, th- I encourage people to think about when you're putting all these thought leadership platforms in place, you're doing your blog, website, obviously this is a, it's a tool to build relationships and trust in you. So I love that. Writing that down, mental note there. No, thank you, Cody. Appreciate that. Now, um, you know, cause we are running a little, a little tight on time, but we're still going to be able to get to the action items. I promise. But one just last question too, in case like I do have any accredited investors in my field, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not really sure if, <laughs> if I do, but in the case that I do have just that one accredited investor that would be interested for, you know, this current deal that y'all have, you know, to answer the question that you brought up, how is their capital protected? What would be the answer to that question? Well, first off, you have to know every aspect of your deal. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can't go out there and wing it. You have to know every crack, every hole in the deal, every opportunity. You have to be transparent about the deal. And, you know, like, look, we, every investor call that we've had with our deal in particular, this is a, a C class, deep, deep value add project that may not be in line with the investor that's looking just for a good steady cash flow stream. You know, if you're looking for somebody looking for the equity gain, uh, that might be a more line, but this is something we're very transparent about. Hey, look, there is a execution risk in this type of deal. So hence the higher return, you know, but is that going to be something you're comfortable with? The last thing I would say as far as, and more importantly about protecting the capital is who is the sponsorship team and what is their track record? You know, and ultimately, most importantly, it all boils down to the, the, uh, the team itself before the deal, right? You want to be working with people that have experience have track record and not just from a unit count, but, you know, performance based, right? You know, what, what has been their history of paying out distributions on time? What has been their history about meeting their pro forma projections? Have they had a deal going bad and how they handled it? You know, most importantly, I think that's where the importance of protecting your capital, because you don't want to just give your, your money to somebody that you've never met that doesn't have any track record that you're not asking these questions and you discover after the fact that, you know, they weren't the best operator that had your best interest at heart. So and then from there, I think, it, you know, going through this, the standard protocol, listen, if you're getting into this space for the first time, you have to absolutely understand the p- private placement memorandum. You have to understand the subscription agreements and exactly what you're getting into. You need to know what your investor rights are as a passive investor. And if you read this 200 page document and it's just something that's foreign to you, you're not comfortable with. I definitely encourage people to consult with their legal advisors, their, can- their legal counsel, their tax professionals, you know, consult in your professional advisors around you to help you make the best educated and informed decision. Awesome. And yeah, thank you. Thank you just for that. Uh, the very informative answer. Now, if any last words before we sign off and jump into our second episode. Go ahead, Brian. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, I would just encourage your listeners to, you know, get out there, educate themselves uh, and just take it one day at a time, you know, build relationships with people in the industry who are doing what you want to do and you'll find good things end up happening. I know 2020 was a blessing for us because we spent so much time networking and I know we wouldn't be where we are today if we weren't leveraging the power of our network, which we spent, like I said, a lot, a lot of last year building. So just get out there and start talking to people. Oh, yeah. And it, uh, oh, oh, great. Uh, no, I was going to no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, look, identify who you are as an investor and stick with it. Don't get mm-hmm. the shiny object syndrome, put the blinders on, stay laser focused, stay disciplined, build good relationships, build your network out. And, and number one, never, never stop building out your network. Never, never pump the brakes on that because, you know, this is a numbers game. You need as many people in your database as you can. Cool. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Yes, you can check us out at our website, www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash Y real estate. If you want to connect with us on social media, Brian and I are both very, very active on LinkedIn. So you can find us on LinkedIn. And uh, if you want to just shoot us an email, you can check us out at Cody or Brian at blueoakinvest.com. Awesome. Thank you, Cody and Brian, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate y'all you know, sharing your insight, your story, just how y'all got into the space, and also sharing just more insight on, on the current opportunity that you have now. If you're listening, definitely reach out to them. Great group of guys, great sponsor, great teams put in place. And you know, thank you all for listening. I'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating, and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.